Marty, we've got lucky number seven today. What do you mean, Justin? Well, it's it's the ancestor of O'Connell, the liberator himself. The emancipator and who the main thoroughfare of Dublin is named after. Welcome, Sir Morris. How are we? Thank you very much. And Ennis and Limerick and a few other places as well. <laughs> uh, so... Yes, uh, yeah, number seven is my lucky number, but uh, it's not really that important. <laughs> I imagine for the Chinese market, 888 would be a better moniker. Well, I don't know, because I had a very good friend who got married on the 8th of August 1988, and uh, he was divorced within seven months. <laughs> <laughs> it obviously doesn't work all the time. And well, that, sure might be, seven, that might be lucky enough. Chinese. Yeah, my bad. Well, probably lucky escape, I think. <laughs> so we were lucky enough to compare and contrast the normal and the cast strengths, and Sir Morris Morty actually agreed with your sentiment. I'm glad he got it right then. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, the, I, for me, for me, the 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 small batch cast strength is a is a more interesting comparison with the mm-hmm. with the retail 46% version than the than the uh, than the cast strength on the Malton Tawny which is a bit of a beast and if you like beast it's a lovely beast uh, but it doesn't have the same sort of connection with the retail 46% bottling so yeah, I'm quite sure why that is the, the thing about cask strength whisks is you have the experimentation with them, you know, the, the actual sort of playing around and playing with what you want the, the expression to have. So that's really my take on cask strengths. And they're certainly very popular, and uh, we're planning to, to release a, a cask strength, that, uh, the, the sample that you had, which was the, the Malton Tawny Port cask strength. Um, so we, we're getting a lot of people asking for it, so we thought we might as well supply it. Uh, and yep. see where we go on it. Well, that would be the way to do things. So, yes. you are a, a bonder of whiskey. Exactly. Now, there are some people who probably are listening to the show who probably aren't aware of what a bonder does. Okay. So, tell us what you do. Tell us what's happening. Well, we're actually bond. We describe ourselves as bonders plus. Uh, we. Uh, whiskey bonders is what bonding is an old Irish tradition. Uh, mm-hmm. Merchants uh, and pub owners would receive their goods, their wine and their sherry and their brandies in wooden casks, and they'd sell off the contents. And when they when they'd finished them, they wondered what what would we do with these barrels. And they discovered that if they brought them to their local distillery and filled them with spirit they create wonderful new flavours mm-hmm. and uh, so each town, each merchant, each pub had its own house whisky uh, uh, matured just the way they want to do it so we're, take, we're taking that forward uh, we're doing it in a rather more modern way uh, so what we do is we uh, buy uh, distillates, uh, young spirit from mm-hmm. a number of Irish distilleries and there's a growing number now to add to a Basically, we're, we're making a library of flavours uh, from which we can uh, construct new new expressions yeah. uh, of distinctive new whiskies. Uh, and I think that the two whiskies we've brought out so far are quite a good uh, indicator of what what you can do in that in in, in that context. 
uh, you bring in the best of, of a number of different distilleries and try and make something something that I, I won't say better, but yeah, better than what you started with. And, uh, and certainly different. I mean, you can't deny that it's different. Some people will say it's not better, but... Uh, you, you, can't, you can't please everybody all the time. No, absolutely. No. Uh, and no. I don't want no. to please all the people all the time. Rather, no, that's... I prefer people to have a strong opinion one way or the other. I think that's always the best course of action, to be honest. Um, yeah. You have... You've done something a little bit different. Because you have your own estate, you've got your own barley, had it distilled. Well, that's so, the plus. That's the whiskey. That's the yeah. Bonders plus. So alongside the sourced whiskies, we're growing our own barley. Uh, we've, we've grown our own barley here on the farm for years and years and years. But until about, what is it, the 2018 crop, we were wasting it on animal feed. And I thought, well, there's something a lot more interesting we could do with it. So uh, we uh, had a small batch malted and then distilled for us into pot still. And the first of that was laid down in uh, March 2019. So that's just coming up for two years old. And mm -hmm. I think I gave you a sample of that. Uh, I think it's really delicious already. Uh, but I, I'm obviously going to have to wait for a year to... To, uh, to release it as pot still whiskey uh, but it's already tasting really really interesting as far as I can yeah to my taste now I haven't tried that yet because I've left it All with right. Justin I've left that with Justin well that's why I requested a, a wee drop more because <laughs> ah, okay. well, I, yeah. I'll draw that off tomorrow and I'll uh, I'll, I'll pop it in the post tomorrow. I find it very, very, very interesting. Very it's interesting, interesting isn't it? it is. What what you've got there, I've I've uh, we were we our first sort of foray into the whiskey market was uh November was uh Whiskey Live in twenty nineteen. And we had nothing yeah. to show and uh, so I I sort of hastily took uh, a sample from the from one of our, our casks. Um, and of, of this new make pot still which at the time was eight months old and I cut it to 46% just to just just as, as an interesting tasting experiment uh, and I was uh, I was uh, doling it out to people there and uh, and uh, with with mixed reactions and one guy came up to me and said yeah, it, it's very nice but it I find it's a bit rough for an eight-year-old whiskey <laughs> so, so it, it's uh, yeah, it, it's. I think it's it's punching above its waist at the moment. So yeah. Now, you have your. I say you have your own estate, and you say you grow your own barley. Did you not consider going down the route of a full-on distillery? Yeah, um, we are going to be distilling on site in twenty twenty-four, but we don't have much much land here. And the uh, what the initial plan was to have a single estate grain to glass distillery, mm -hmm. uh, just growing our own grain, distilling our own grain, malting our own grain, and uh, uh, but we don't have enough land to make that a viable viable proposition. So so we came up with this sort of hybrid business whereby we're part whiskey bonder, part yeah. distiller, and uh, 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 and grain to glass distillery. So. 
the grain to glass aspect of our production will only ever be about 25% of the total that we need to make it into a, a viable business. So we could continue this bonding uh, and we're laying down spirit now which 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 will be six, seven years to, to before it's it's actually going to be yeah. workable. So yeah. uh, it's quite a long-term project anyway so it's, it, we're not doing the bonding as a route to to, to as as a to, just as a uh, uh, to warm up until we start distilling, we're going to continue doing it. But there's so many new distilleries coming out, and there's a lot of interesting distillate coming out. And, there is, uh, and there, there's there's interesting things we're going to be able to do with it. Yeah, and and the fact that you have the, uh, you've started off in one in one aspect of the business, add it a little bit more to it. You know your your own barley then are going to take it on to have your own distillery you know there's a natural sort of line of progression there which which i think people people like buying into the story i keep telling justin that this is this is the difference between whiskey and pretty much any other spirit is that you have this you buy into a story you 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 pick up the the sort of background and the history now because you're a bonder uh, you're buying in you're you're distilling from other places and finishing it yourself on site, etc. But your family have a tradition in in well, well, booze if you want, <laughs> you know, importing booze. So uh, could you explain today, that? Today is the 196th anniversary of the death of a previous Morris O'Connell, known as Hunting Cap, and he was the uncle of Daniel O'Connell and he had a very successful uh, import business maybe he discussed described at the time but it was actually smuggling <laughs> he was bringing in uh, wines and brandies from Spain and Portugal and France and luxury goods and supplying them to the local gentry and because of where we were, where he was down in a place called Derenan down in Kerry um, the, it was a, a harbour hidden from the sea uh, surrounded by mountains, there was no Connell Kingdom, nobody could get in. So he was very protected by his environment and also by the fact that he was supplying the local gentry and they didn't was, want their <laughs> interrupted. I was just going to say, <laughs> I was going to say the fact that he was supplying the gentry probably bought him, <laughs> bought him a lot of leeway. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it was only when Daniel O'Connell got some political prominence in, in from late coming up to about 1820 that the family decided to drop the smuggling in 1820 and uh, just uh, Cat was 95 at the time so it was about time to, to yeah. grow up and get out of business so, uh, so we're yeah. back into the hooch business now <laughs> <laughs> a fine respectable trade it is yeah. <laughs> yeah. absolutely when, when we first got our revenue approval the local revenue officer was now an amateur historian, and he was tickled pink that we were actually now asking permission to, to uh, deal in spirits. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, what's, your personal background isn't in spirits. We have... It's, it's, it's not, no. Um, I, I left here uh, and went to work in London when I was young, uh, and... Uh, um, I was in the construction and uh, property business in London, um, and uh, it's little—it's little wonder you went on the drink then. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I wanted to, I wanted to come back and I wanted to start a business here that yeah. connected with my love of the land and and something that was an agricultural product at heart, but something yeah. that also connected with the family history and that that made some sense of the of the uh, 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 that it's a long term business and we're here for the long term. So yeah. It really links into the tourism business in Ireland as well, really. It does, but we're not really set up for tours here. Uh, it, it's just not, uh, we, we don't have facilities for it. Uh, we do VIP tours, and uh, and if, if there's any sort of uh, whiskey geeks around who, who uh, we're always happy to, to chat to people if they give us a call. Uh, well, we're mostly happy to chat to people if they give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. it's not an open invitation, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really, you really don't want that. I assure you. Well, in both no, circumstances. Uh, uh, no, I'm talking about. I'm talking about. You don't want Justin there. Right. We're, we're, we we can't cope with with, with bus tours yeah. like that. But Kerry's becoming a very uh, a very interesting place in the whiskey business. We've got a another distillery about 500 yards from our front gate. Which will be opening up a big visitor uh, visitor centre there, and there's a, a there's a second distillery opening up quite soon as well. So there's a lot of whisky things happening down here. Oh, there's a lot of whisky things happening all across the island, and sure. all the better the place will be for it. Um, now, I'm going to have to ask you about this: the the, the barley, the grain, the glass. There is a yep. big debate at the minute about how much influence the barley has on the end product there are those in the camp that say doesn't make a huge difference by the time it goes through the still etc etc then you have other people who are counter to that saying it's the most important thing in the thing so where do you fit in that i I think it's probably a balance of the two i mean i think i think to my mind waterford approved the terroir exists and that it is a thing um I only have my own, my own grain, and we have we have different parts of the farm where we where we grow the barley, uh, but they're they're all adjoining each other, so it's a bit difficult to see if one particular field is different to another, mm-hmm. and especially as we mix them all together anyway. So yeah, um, it it would be difficult to. I can't answer that basically. But I can certainly see a difference between the distillate of different years. Um, so yeah, yeah the, 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 that would probably suggest that there is a difference. I I, I find myself I've, I I kind of swing between both arguments a bit. Um, I think it really depends on if the grain is separated and kept separate, then it probably does. But then in terms of economies of scale, that that's not imp- that's not practical. So oh, I, I think it becomes. I mean the. The, yeah. Our first, our first year, uh, we had ten tons of barley, five tons of which were malted. I went to, there's a couple of big malting companies. I went to them and said, "Will you malt my barley for me?" They said, yes, <laughs> send it over. I'm very happy to do it. Uh, we'll put it in with a batch in, into. Uh, we'll put your ten tons, a five of which you want malted. We'll put that five tons in with a 120 ton batch, and we'll give you five tons back. It's, it's, my, it's not my barley coming back. Five percent no. of it might be. So yeah. we, we eventually found a guy up in up uh, a guy called Garrett Heaton, 
up in Nice who does small batch malting and he does it at six tons at a time uh, yeah. so we know that what what we send in to be malted for better or worse is ours and yeah. uh, and it comes back to us as ours and we were very lucky with Great Northern Distillery who, who are who are distilling our pot still for us because mm-hmm. the first year we had, as I said, we had five tons of malted, five tons of unmalted, uh, and we, we specified a 50, 50 mash bill, uh, which is what we've been doing for the last few years. And uh, they have silos which take 30 tons apiece. So they're very good. <laughs> they emptied these huge 30 ton silos for, for my five ton batches of malted and unmalted and distilled them for me. So I'm very appreciative of what they've done for us. I think I think a lot of people yeah I think a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate the work that the Great Northern Distillery has done in quite quietly in the background um, letting the the, the people at the front take a lot of the credit for what they have done Um, that's not to take away from what the people have done at the front but the the engine at the back that has put a lot of brands on the market is the Great Northern Distillery yep And, and, and for that point exactly, uh, each of us have to do something different with it. And our, our uh, difference has been a, a very, very pronounced port finish. Uh, and you can see in, in our, we have a display in the storehouse of the progression of the spirit over three, six, nine months. Yeah. Uh, and you can see what it's doing, what the, what the barrels are doing to the spirit. Um, now why do you pick port casks because it's not a very common it's becoming a bit more popular it is, but it is it's going much more popular now um, the well we want to we did the, the, the whole idea was to have casks that have connection to family history um, yeah okay from from about 1450 we were importing uh wines and brandies from from spain and portugal uh, so there was that connection there. Uh, my wife has family connections in the north of Portugal, and we go there quite a lot. Lovely. And, and I, she, she made me learn Portuguese uh, one day. So, so, uh, and we have, we have a lot. Where we are up there is, is in, is north of Porto, and all the people around us are port wine families. So we know a lot of them, and they put us in touch with, uh, with, with, with the. The place where we bought the these really fresh tawny port casks, it, it, um, and I negotiated for them in Portuguese. So it's really surprising they actually turned out as well as they did. Wow! <laughs> so, uh, but the, the 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 freshness was was hugely important. Because yeah. We bought those and had checked over in the cooperage and bought them and shipped over here and refilled within three weeks of them being disgorged the other end. So if you buy from a wholesaler, uh, it could be six, nine months or so, and they try yeah. to buy that, obviously. They do, they do. Uh, I, I think that the quality of the spirit that you're putting out at the minute is, is excellent. And, Thank you. And the thing about it is the prices of Irish whiskey have started shooting up. Uh, I don't think that's healthy for the industry in, in many regards. I, I see some people putting out stuff that's of mediocre quality but it's a a reasonably premium price you know um and what, what do you call a premium price well 
<laughs> well, it all depends. There's premium and then there's much, much <laughs> what you call sort of collectible end whiskies, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so what happens really is that the ordinary guy in the street walking into a, a, an off license or a you know a speciality one, and they see one at thirty five, forty pound, fifty pound. Now you're starting to head up out of the experiment. You know where a guy will walk in and just oh I'll try this, I'll try that. Um, <laughs> there's bottle there's bottles coming out in excess of a hundred euro, hundred pound. And I don't necessarily think that the qualities there necessarily warrant it, if I'm honest. Um, There's obviously where, a lot of collectors there as well. But, but a, lot of our, a lot of all of our problem is is uh, is duty and VAT. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, yes. For, for out of the retail price, we're getting maybe a third of that. Yeah. And there's a lot of costs in, involved in, in setting up any sort of whiskey business. So oh, yes. No, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to sell it much cheaper. Uh, it's sell, sell to people. Yeah, it, it, when it, yeah. Whenever you get the tax, it just—I really can't understand that it, they treat it like a cash cow, and they're not really understanding the fact that it's a source of employment across a whole range of things. Uh, everything from whiskey takes in everything from tourism to retail to farmers to you know the, the, there's this whole collective of people that are employed by it and yet there's the restrictive taxes I mean especially even for ones at open visitor centres I mean Justin and I take take people to they'd probably sell they'd probably sell twice as much if it was half the price Marty is that what you're saying yeah well, well, what I'm trying to say is, whenever you take someone to uh, a local distillery, and for us it's, it's Bush Mills, and you show someone where it's made and, and so on, and they turn around and say, well, I can buy it for much cheaper at home. It doesn't really endear people to to no. <laughs> to buy it there. It, no. You know, engender people to do it. It's, it's very disheartening. But, I mean, what we should be doing is encouraging people to drink better rather than... Yeah. Than, uh, well, it's uh, it's just I, I find that whenever you have people coming to where a product's made, and because of the the taxes, it means that they're not in, that the people who are making it can't basically get their wares sold on a little bit cheaper. I just find it disheartening. But that's that's governments for you. That's what they do. They don't take in bigger pictures a lot of the time. Now, so your casks are port at the minute. Are you going to... Some, some of them are, yeah. We, we, some of them. Um, what else have you laid down? Well, I, I really like port finishes. And so yeah. we so rather overdosed on that to start off with. So we have we had a, a number of tawny port casks, and then we have some ruby port, and some uh, a few different types of ruby port, actually, and mm -hmm. some uh, half-size ruby port casks as well. Uh, and uh, then we decided we probably. I do love my ruby, my. <laughs> we're, we're packing up on that. <laughs> my, my, the, my theory is that if I can't sell it, I'll, at least I'll enjoy it. Uh, so, but but long, but we all, we have to diversify a bit. So we've got some some uh, uh, some uh, sherry casks. We've got some PX sherry casks in recently. Nice. Uh, and uh, 
the there's there's a huge Irish connection with uh, Bordeaux, and they're on my mother's side of the family. My mother was McCarthy, and there's a Chateau McCarthy in in Bordeaux, uh, started by her family, and there are num we're related to a number of the the French chateaus, Irish wine chateaus down there. Uh, none of whom I was able to get casks from, but <laughs> I, but I, I, I have, we have got some some first growth French uh, 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 red wine casks. Uh, mm -hmm. and actually, that's what our pot still is in, is maturing in at the moment. Uh, and I'm not allowed to tell you, unfortunately, the name of the chateau that it came from, but it's it's very well known. They were very expensive and doing a fantastic <laughs> job. So there's a yeah. connection uh, on, on that side, the Bordeaux connection. We've got uh, a sp Spanish family connections, uh, and uh, and we've also um, tried to do some. Uh, we we have some connection in, in Guyana, um, and we're trying to do some rum from there as well. We already have some Barbados rum uh, casks. Uh, Lovely. So, I mean, just lots of different, yeah. different flavours uh, with which to work. Excellent. But we decided we'd actually had too much, uh, too many, too many port finished casks, and, and not enough, not enough <laughs> bourbon to, to to sort of dial them back a bit. Uh, yeah. So the, I, I like the fact that whenever you say I like port, so that's what we're. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 more. There should be more of this kind of thing. People people doing what they like, and hopefully people buy into it. You know, because they buy into the story. And if you say you like port casts and what you say it makes it sound as if it's all. <laughs> it just it, that sort of makes perfect sense to me. It, but, uh, but it does. You, you do what you think is good. And exactly. People will like it. But you can't, but, uh, you can't design for a committee. I think I think there are there are there are. Some people do do it that way, where they 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 set out with what the the market's going to like, etc., etc. Um, but whenever it's sort of one person's yeah, ambition of what, they're the, uh, that's what I was, I was, <laughs> I was sort of dodging around the fact that they're the ones they're the ones with the corporate suits who turn around and say to them, "This demographic hasn't been isn't represented enough, uh, so you need to do it to this." They like they like ultra premium sweet stuff, and then they bring out stuff that's. Shall we say of very mediocre quality? The the idea of someone who turns around and says, "This is what I like. I'm going to go with this. This is the majority of what it is, and maybe it needs to dial back a bit, and this one needs bumped up a little bit, and come along with me on a journey." That that's what people like. That's what that's what. Right. Uh, that's what they're listening to you. Oh, they oh they do. They listen. And if you don't listen to me, they can listen to Justin. They they, they would listen, but they wouldn't hear, unfortunately. So. Uh, <laughs> It uh, doesn't make any difference. Well, uh, Sir Morris, thank you very much for uh, talking to us today. I think Marty would uh, love to pop in and, and chew the fat with you. Uh, but we'll, uh, absolutely, both. You're both welcome. Uh, I don't know That'd when. An absolute pleasure. I don't know when that's going to be, but Marty, do you? Well, all I will say is, uh, it's ironic that the whiskey's called the Liberator. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's in lockdown at the minute, so I mean, it's. We, we shall have it as a celebration. Have it now, and then liberated from lockdown. Yeah. Liberate it from lockdown. It's perfectly named. And um, also, we could do with some of the political leadership that Daniel O'Connell brought about too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Story. 
That's a whole other story. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. (laughs) All right. uh, Thank you very much, Sir Morris. Morty. Thank you for having me on. All right. Thank you. And uh, Justin, I shall speak to you later, my friend. So take care, everybody. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.